All right, here we go. It's the training camp edition of Under the Dome. We had the rookies come in last week, and we had the veterans reporting tomorrow. So from now until hopefully February, we will be talking Saints football and about Saints games that are coming up uh, from now on. So um, how are you guys doing tonight? How are you doing tonight, Sean? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm eating a snowball, so I'm really happy. Yeah, I hear it's affecting your speech pattern, and y'all make fun of what I drink. Yeah, there we go. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm Sean Williams. I am the lead analyst and staff manager for Pro Football Spot for the New Orleans Saints. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. This is Under the Dome. This is the Under the Dome Studios, also known as My Domicile. Uh, anyway, moving right along, we want to welcome everyone in tonight. Uh just to kind of give you a brief summary of what we're going to do, we're going to go over this, the uh, leading storylines of this week. Uh, we're also going to get a little in-depth with the defense, uh, getting you guys prepared for what is coming up with training camp, as Alan alluded to. Uh, tomorrow, the veterans report, and then it's all hands on deck. Uh, it is time for football once again. Um and uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, oh, we got to pay the bills, I guess. First Productions for sponsoring our show. Um, we also want to invite everyone to subscribe to our program on iTunes and on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> the last uh, last time I checked, we were above 100, uh, 100 subscriptions. Let's, let's try to... Uh, Try to up that. And hey, let's go for two. Saints have a good Saints, <laughs> Saints have a good season. That the uh, numbers will grow. Numbers will grow. Um, well, I like to think that our numbers are not based on the success or failure of the black and gold. We're here, win, lose, draw. Uh, it doesn't really matter. We believe in our team. Uh, our team is something that is very. Uh, it's not just important to us for uh, anyone that knows us will probably tell you really quick that with Alan and myself, uh, this is something that's sacred. This is something that's been a, uh, a lifelong um, pursuit. No, nah, not pursuit. Uh, obsession. Yeah, that'd be closer. Um, we love our team. And we, as we've alluded to before, we try to stand in the gap of the fans of the New Orleans Saints and the team itself. We have a lot of things uh, that we have that we can't necessarily uh, hip you to just yet, but we got a lot of things planned for uh, to to be coming up in year number two. Um, uh, for those who uh, are not aware, a week ago we celebrated our one-year anniversary, and we thank everyone for their support. If not for that support, that one-year anniversary never would have happened. We thank you guys so much for that. We've got some big things uh, in the works for year number two. Uh, so let's fasten seatbelts, and everybody get ready for a good ride. Absolutely. I'm just checking uh, Twitter. 
Um, let's go ahead and tackle the headlines of the week. Uh, the first thing, Willie Sneed uh, did sign his exclusive rights tender. And as a lot of people alluded to on Twitter, he really didn't have much of a choice because he didn't have much leverage with the team. He wants a long-term deal. And I think the Saints want to give him a long-term deal. But right now, he he had to sign it because this is something that people don't really hear much about because most rookies are under three-year deals, so they fall in that category. They're still in the contract, never really fall into that category of being an exclusive rights player. But because Sneed was an undrafted player, cut from two different teams, he didn't accrue the years, and he's only been <clears throat> excuse me, he's only a player technically for three years in the league. So he really couldn't negotiate with anybody. Uh, nobody had a right to talk to him without talking to the Saints first. So he basically has a tender, a one-year deal. He's he's doing next year he becomes a restricted free agent, which is a lot like what we were dealing with the Malcolm Butler situation. Uh, and then the following season, he's two years away from being an unrestricted free agent. So the Saints really felt no pressure to sign him. And I know a lot of people like, oh, man, give him a deal now while he's relatively cheap. I can understand why they don't want to do that yet because you've got a lot of question marks with salaries coming up. You've got, you know, the Nick Fairley situation. What do we do with that contract if he has to retire? You've got Armstead out there. He signed a big deal, and he's been injured, so we have to figure out what's going to happen with him. Excuse me. And then the um, – sorry, I had the hiccups, y'all. <laughs> and then finally you've got, <laughs> you've got the Drew Brees situation where Drew is technically playing under a one-year deal this year. Um, we are probably going to sign him to an extension. How many years? How much money you give him? That's all going to determine what you're going to do with Sneed. So yeah. I can see why the Saints did what they did, and I can see why Sneed had to sign his one-year tender. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not something exclusive to the New Orleans Saints by any stretch of the imagination. No, no it's the business side. Yeah. No team is going to – when it comes – to long-term deals, big money contracts. No team is going to do that until they just absolutely must do it. Uh, very, 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 very rarely do you ever seen, see a team that preempts the process by jumping out and getting things like that done in a timely manner. It's always last minute uh, and even up to and including – uh, a player holding out during training camp, so on and so forth. So this is not anything new. I'm glad to see that Sneed signed his tender for the the simple reason that I I, I see Sneed as being a an essential element in this offense coming up this season, and having the distraction of having that hanging over the head. Uh, during training camp, that that's a distraction that is unnecessary, and at this point, um, also news today: 
Danelle Ellerby, uh, much to the shock of the entire who that nation, excuse me, who dat nation, uh, to the shock of everyone, Danelle Ellerby was moved from the physically unable to perform or pup list to the injured reserve list and the overwhelming presumption is that as soon as he clears IR, he will be cut. Uh, I, I'm going to let you take this first, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I said this from the beginning, whenever we talk about Danelle Ellerby, you know, he is, when he's healthy, he's the best linebacker on the Saints team. He's one of the best defensive players on the Saints team. Uh, the man had played nine games, started eight of them, got four sacks. I think he was second or third in tackles, maybe at 40 tackles. Um, the guy can play. The problem is he's not available. You know, he was only available for nine games this past season. Um, the year before, I think he was only available for five games. Um so I can understand the frustration. I can understand, you know, the relief that, okay, finally, we don't have to deal with him anymore. He's gone. The problem you have is, okay, who takes his place? And that's what we're going to talk about defensively. Um, we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But basically, yeah. you've got a bunch of linebackers out there uh, who don't have either A, the experience, or be the physical talent that Danelle Ellery has. And that's my only reservation with cutting him. Um, who's going to take his place? Who's going to be able to play in that spot? And I just, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about this. I understand totally the frustration. Can't be up from the tub. I know the quote. You know, I know the cliche. But... I don't feel – I feel the linebacker position is now weaker than it was yesterday. Only because – only because Ellaby is that good of a player when he's on the field. I agree with you and disagree with you in the same breath. Uh, if, if you look statistically speaking, if you look back over the, uh, the past I, – I, I would – go so far as to say the past two seasons, any time that Danelle Ellerby is on the field for the New Orleans Saints, not only is he different, you're looking at a difference with the entire defense. That That mm -hmm. is a different unit when he is on the field. Okay, you. the other side of that coin, at least in this instance, has to be we're talking about a third of your games. If the guy, mm -hmm. what it boils down to is the availability and accessibility. If the guy is not able to be on the field, that's not doing the team any good whatsoever. And as you said, we're going to, uh, we're going to get down to this in just a little while when we discuss the defense in greater detail. But, uh, to me, I hate to see it because Danelle Ellerby, if you'll think about it, think back, 
when Danilo Irby was uh, drafted by the Ravens, he was, so he drafted. was drafted. He was on. Un- he was unrestricted free. I mean, uh, undrafted free agent. So he wasn't even drafted my, by the Ravens. My bad. But uh, my point was, when he was brought in by the Ravens, he was brought mm-hmm. in to replace Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. So that that gives you an indication of kind of the skill set you're talking about. You don't replace <laughs> replace <laughs> bad pretzels. You don't replace pretzels make you thirsty. That's re- Seinfeld reference. No, <laughs> no, Look, no. Danelle, I got I got thirsty covered. Yeah, uh, Danelle Ellaby. You, you don't Danelle You don't replace. Go ahead. You don't replace you don't replace a Ray Lewis with an average skill set is what I'm yeah. trying to say, uh, and that but um, to to not minimize it, but uh, simply put, guy can be the the most fantastic player in the world, but if he's the most fantastic player in the world on the sidelines, it's of very little uh, use to the New Orleans Saints or anyone else. Uh, I want to say it was Ian Rap. No, not Rapport. Uh, one of one of those other ESPN guys today said that uh, in announcing that the Saints would probably uh, cut him when he he cleared IR, talked about how hot a commodity he's going to be. And you know, strictly from my own standpoint, I how how are how is someone that's not going to see the field going to be the most widely sought after free agent in because in the world, you know because Danelle Ellaby for all you car aficionados out there Danelle Ellaby <laughs> is a 1965 Jaguar XKE I want to make sure I have the right letters it's an XKE okay it's a beautiful car one of the best looking cars ever made and when it works when it runs it's an awesome car to drive. The problem is to its time in the shop. And that's what that is what Danelle Ellaby is. Danelle Ellaby is like that high performance, high maintenance sports car that you have that you can you can some days you can kick it out and everyone's looking at you, everyone's admiring your car as it drives by. But most of the time You've got to bring it back to the mechanic because it's not running right. Uh, it won't start. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and that's what you got with Ellaby. I mean, that's probably the best example you have. That's why he's going to be a hot free agent. Simply because of what he offers you when he's on the field. The problem is he's not going to be on the field. Every team is going to think that they're going to be able to make him work on their, on their yeah. team. They're going to yeah. be limited. They're going to be able to limit his snaps to maximize his effective effectiveness. The and the problem will be that Denzel Ellaby is one of those kind of players that if he's not hundred percent or doesn't feel hundred percent, he's not playing. So yeah, he's a Jaguar XK, XKE nineteen sixty five Jaguar XKE. Look that up. Beautiful car. My neighbor used to have one. You're going to have to text me that because I can't remember that many letters and numbers all in one spot. Oh, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a Oh, yeah. I remember that car. Okay. So. The, the last headline we got this week is um, I think today, as a matter of fact, 
we signed a former um, Seahawk, which has become a really bad habit that we've had here lately. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, we signed former Seahawk defensive lineman Christian. Uh, hang on, I can't read my writing. Oh. Uh, so, Sicoli. Spicoli? No, was not he Spicoli. Hey, Mr. Hand. <laughs> See, this is our ace your class, man. Uh, seriously. I think it's uh, a little pizza because this is our time. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, hey, there's our our, uh, our movie reference for this week. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Christian. So we S- signed Spicoli. 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 I, I'm going to have to get with someone that's far better uh, equipped to uh, understand the relevance of this, like uh, Deuce Windham <laughs> or someone, and, and get him to uh, break it down for me as to whether or not this. But what was interesting about this acquisition to me was not the fact that we signed another defensive lineman, but we signed a defensive lineman to play offensive line. Yeah, which, uh, which is not a, he's a body. It's not unheard of. Yeah, basically. I, uh, if he's any more than that, I'm going to depend on uh, Rev Deuce to break it down for me. Uh, yeah, anyway, I, I'm looking up. I'm looking. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm looking up um, the guy's name right now to see if I can find his exact pronunciation. And there is no exact pronunciation yet. So I'll keep digging. Oh, and they also signed a, uh, a cornerback, Dijon, um, Dijon Butler, who was a tryout player yeah. uh, at training at minicamp. So uh, come on, somebody's got to have a pronunciation guy behind this guy's name. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to bother learning it because, honestly, I don't think he's going to be here long enough. If you're converting a defensive lineman to an offensive lineman, um, it's not going to go well. Uh, well, it, it's it's either going to be one one or the other. It's either going to be gangbusters, this guy is a phenom, get out there and do your thing, or it's going to be somebody just to throw in, into a spot. He's throwing, I think it's the latter. He's throwing yeah. in the spot. I did see a picture, though, today of Khalif Barnes supposedly lost a lot of weight. He uh, did. It, he lost. As, he as, lost as the saying goes, he svelte. You know? <laughs> he he, he lost. He appears to have lost a high school running back. Man, he is. <laughs> he is. He is slim, trim, and sexy. And if he blocks somebody, I'll love him that much more. Hey, that could have been part of his problem that he was just a fat, lazy yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, would be the first one. You know. You know, I, I made this point to someone on, on social media the other day. Uh, you know, the, the Saints handling of Khalif Barnes, uh, that makes him an easy target for a, a lot of um, BS, so to speak. Uh, cut him here, cut him here, cut him. Uh, all that being said, there's one thing that you can't ignore. And when it comes to Ryan Ramsick and how he's going to transition into what we believe 
I, I believe Alan and I agree on this. What we believe to be the starting uh, left tackle for uh, Teron Armstead, if this guy is going to transition into that, he's going to have to win that job over Khalif Barnes. Ryan Ramsick was a right, uh, excuse me, a left tackle in college at uh, a very, it, according to offensive linemen anyway, a very prestigious university in Wisconsin. Which, if you want to look for offensive linemen, you look at Wisconsin. You want to look for mm-hmm. linebackers, you look to Penn State. You want to look for defensive backs, you look at LSU. So on and so forth. Um, all that being said. Khalif Barnes has the one thing that Ryan Ramsick does not have, and that is experience. Don't ever discount that. Well, uh, here's the and thing. and the fact that he's he's slimmed down and trimmed up, and apparent uh, from all indications, seems to have gotten himself into a better position. I, I think that bodes well for him. Well, here's the thing with Khalif Barnes, and I think he sees it. This is a good opportunity for him because with Armstead being out and out, I say, probably to at least Thanksgiving, you know, if we're lucky, Halloween, but more likely than Thanksgiving. If he's out that long, Barnes has a great chance to become that third tackle because you're going to be looking at uh, Streep is going to man the right side, Ramshack uh, play the left side. So... Barnes will be in in a lot of short yardage situations and will be the first guy out there probably uh, if there is an injury to another tackle. Um, so it's an unbelievable opportunity for him. I think he sees it. I think he's going to get it. Um, I think some of these other guys they're bringing in are all guys that are there just for competition. So you actually have three full strings that you can you can rotate. I gotta set this coke aside. That's the problem. I'm getting hiccups from this coke. Um, but <laughs> hey, you don't want to hear that. It's like a hiccup and a belch, all wrapped up in one. I feel like you're losing control. Anyway, with those guys, yeah, <laughs> with I mean, with with that kind of opportunity, I think he sees that and he he wants to take advantage of it. He wants to earn a spot because if we're stuck. With uh, oh, that damn coke through my uh, my train of thought off. If we're <laughs> stuck with the the human cockroach again, that we just can't get rid of. You're gonna have to be more know. Pacific. More Pacific. <laughs> more All Pacific. Right. Uh, 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 Saints left ta- Saints tackle. Um, Lolito. No, he was a guard. Uh, well, he played tackle too. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, um, hang on, Bro- uh, not Bryce Harris. Yeah, Bryce Harris. Yeah, that's how. They got the wrong picture for Bryce Harris in this thing. Yeah, Bryce Harris. If we're stuck with him as a third tackle, we're in big trouble. We are in big trouble. So, Bryce and- is gone, isn't he? No, he keeps coming back. That's why he's a cockroach. <laughs> they re-signed him on May 22nd. He is back. We can't get Wait rid a minute. of him. Who was the lineman that we lost? Lolito? 
Uh, Lolito went to uh, Detroit. Yes, yes. Lolito, I believe, went to Detroit. So we, yeah, but Lolito was a guard. So he went to Detroit. So you have you have a lot of competition in the guard spot. You've got three centers on a team. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting. We'll talk more about the offense next week. But I mean, you're only keeping eight guys uh, on offense. You're going to keep your five starters. You know, Unger is part of that. So that's one. Eight, that's seven. Armstead will probably be on the <clears throat> move to the. Um, Either the recall into reserve, which is probably what it'll be, or the uh, physical enable perform list, and let's see how far he can go on that. Um, <clears throat> so he won't count towards the roster. So you really only have two spots left. And I'm guessing, I'm assuming, that your center, if Watt doesn't win the job, or that other kid um, that was taking the centers at minicamp. Um, God, I need well, my, I know I need my roster. See, I wasn't prepared for the offense this week. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about I know who week. you're talking but about. Either of those two kids, you know, really don't pan out. It's going to be somebody who's got to be able to play guard and center. Yeah. Because that's your other swing player. You've got your swing defensive tackle, I mean, swing offensive tackle. You're going to have to have somebody back up your center, and then you have a guard center guy that's going to be able to play both. I yeah, guard center guy. So senior. Yeah, Calamente. And, and we're like, going to get further into. And he's Calamente. got the he's got the yeah he's got the leg up right now at the guard position. So he it really did until today when he did until today when he got put on the pup list, uh, which we'll get further into that next week. Uh, this is. Okay. Um, but without further ado, we're going to address now the defense. Um, and we're going to start that with the defensive lineman uh, unit. Alan, where, what exactly is the state of the New Orleans Saints defensive line unit <laughs> as per uh, without uh, Nick Fairley? The between the inner mind and the outer limits. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I mean, okay. We talked a lot about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Fairley being out when he was moved to the um, football non-injury list. Um, you know, you've got your starters with uh, uh, Sheldon Rankins. I'm sorry. Sheldon Rankins and uh, Davidson. Those are your yeah. starting defensive tackles. Yeah. Now it becomes a question behind those guys. Who steps up? Does Terry, Does Tony McDaniel step up? Does uh, David Onimata step up? You know, who becomes that second and third guy? And <clears throat> that's where the real battle is. Uh, because Fairley's position essentially is going to have to be in that backup tackle. Um, Cam Jordan is just one diff starting defensive end. Your other starting defensive end, as of now, is Alex Okafor with, you know, uh, Trey Hendrickson and uh, Hayoli Kiaka coming in to see if they can compete 
is that designated pass rusher. Um, I would suspect that someone like Daryl Tapp is probably your number one backup behind Cam Jordan right now. Again, that's another position where you're going to probably keep eight guys. Um, so your rotation is going to be huge. And my, when I say you're going to keep eight guys, that really makes that designated pass rushing position a challenge because where does that pass rusher fit in? You know, with Hendrickson, I can see him as your eighth defensive, ta- defensive end. You know, your, your eighth defensive lineman, I should say. Your backup defensive end behind Okafor with Kiaka kind of playing that linebacker slash uh, defensive designated pass rusher, defensive end, either standing up or putting his hand in the dirt, kind of that third, that, that rotational guy coming in. But it affects your numbers. Where does he fit on the defense when it's not a passing down? Is he fit on special teams? Uh, we saw in his rookie year, he did great in special teams. He forced a key turnover against the Indianapolis Colts. So those are the kind of things we're going to have to see how it plays out. I've tried writing numbers down for guys, and I'm thinking, you know, eight defensive linemen, six defensive backs. I, I mean, six linebackers, ten defensive backs. Sorry. Ten defensive five corners and five safeties. So you start looking at these numbers, now you have to start wondering, okay, where does this guy fit in? Where does this guy fit in? Hendrickson's advantage on special teams, uh, he had a reputation for blocking kicks. He blocked kicks in college. Uh, Does he compete in Kahaka as a special teams guy? Those are all questions that we have to see answered in training camp and in these training camp battles. Who can offer the Saints the most diversity? Let me ask you this. Everybody seems mm-hmm. to, to take that yet again, just like a phoenix rising from the ashes, Cameron Jordan is going to break through and have that monumental season once again. Is Cam Jordan going to be able to post the, the type of numbers that New Orleans Saints fans have come to expect from him? Define, what do you mean by the kind of numbers. Look, he, he broke double-digit sacks in 2013, but he also had uh, Junior Gallette playing the opposite side of him. Yeah. Is he going to be that kind of player? Probably not. Is he going to give you seven to nine sacks a year, be a stout run defender, get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, have some really good games? Yes. I think he's been fairly consistent as a player. Um, Absolutely. But you're not going to get – if you're looking for somebody who's going to have a Wayne Martin or Frank Warren or an even – it's a different position, but even a Lorik Glover kind of impact from the defensive end position in Cam Jordan, you're just not going to see it. That's not the kind of player he is. He's a good, all-around, solid player. Plays like a first-round draft pick. Not a flashy player. Um, I, you know, he is just – he is a good, good player. 
It's just it's not going to show up as an impact player that defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator said, we have to figure out how we're going to stop this guy. That's not the kind of player he is. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I, I think that if you want to increase the effectiveness of a Cam Jordan, you're going to have to bookend him with a – well, just to go with uh, examples that you have on hand – excuse me, pretzel. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to take a an Alex Okafor. You're going to have to take a Holy Kikaha. You're going to have to put someone on the opposite end of a Cam Jordan to where an offensive uh, – excuse me, an offensive coordinator – is not going to be able to say, okay, you're going to have to stop this guy over here no matter what. You, you're going to have to get that offensive coordinator back on his heels and say, okay, over here we're going to have Jordan, but over here you're going to have somebody else that you're going to have to watch just as much as you do your Cam Jordan. Until you bookend Cam Jordan, you're not going to get the full effectiveness of what he's able to do, I believe. Well – He's going to face double teams. He's going to face the bulk of the attention by any offense just trying to block the Saints' pass rush, okay? So, yeah, you're going to have to have somebody step up to draw the attention away from Jordan so he can get more favorable one-on-one matchups. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, the way they've got one uh, depth chart thing as the way the Saints' defense set up. They've got uh, Kihaka listed as a strong side linebacker. Okay, so that would mean that he has competed with Nate Stupar and Stephon Anthony, basically, for that outside linebacking, that strong side outside linebacking spot. And I've already said, you're looking at about six guys, not eight to ten linebackers. So, you know, that really that, makes – That's an interesting segue because that's exactly what we were going to get into the next – Well, and that's – I wanted to see – because we didn't mention uh, – and I know a lot of people talked about him in the past. Obam Guachum, <laughs> uh, the guy who picked up from, uh, from Seattle a few years ago. Yeah. And he was an injured reserve all last year. You know, that's someone else who thinks he can compete with, uh, with Okafor and Hendrickson for that outside left, you know – I'm going to call it from now on. I'm just going to call it the elephant elephant position because, you know, we've talked, we had somebody on before asking us, you know, what kind of defense the Saints are going to play. And it's the best 11. Uh, It's not a true 34. It's not a true 43. It's kind of a hybrid, depending on the down and distance, the opponent, the situation in football, you know. So, that left defensive end spot is going to be manned by people who can either be standing up or have their hand in the dirt. Um, much like how the 49ers used to play it way back in the 80s when you had Fred Dean uh, and uh, Dwayne Board. Um, uh, Charles Haley played that position for a while, that elephant or just designated pass rusher position end. So, where does he fit in this thing? I don't see Kahaka playing a 
three down, strong side linebacker. I don't see him dropping off in coverage. I don't see him uh, handling the tight end. I see him purely as a pass rusher. So, and I think that Stephon Anthony and Nate Stupar's real challenge in outside at strong side linebacker position is Craig Robertson. I think sure. that's where he fit. I think that's where he fits in better. Uh, the middle linebacker position, that's going to be a tough, tough call because you brought in A.J. Klein. Then you go out. believe that it is, and I – I'm sorry, I interrupted. Oh, no, then that, you go and sign Manti Teo, who plays the middle linebacker yeah. position. You know, you, uh, you also have Stephon Anthony, who was drafted to play middle linebacker. Um, so – and then you bring back Michael Marty who has played middle linebacker for the Saints, but he's more special teams than he is true linebacker. So that really just kind of the linebacking position is going to be the best three that are out there, the best two that are out there, because we do go to those three safety positions. We'll talk about that in a second. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's going to be a tough battle because it's going to be hard as a Saints fan because we're not in the meetings, we're not with the coaches. Where do they envision these guys fitting in this defense? What do yeah. they see they can do for them in the defense? And the whole key is flexibility. Uh, you have to be able to play more than one position, and you have to be able to play it well. And I think that's going to determine who the six linebackers are more than anything else. Sure. So that's I, why I, I don't have I, Kiaka as a linebacker. I don't uh, consider, based on the decision a year ago before he was injured, uh, was, deemed, yes. was deemed a defensive end. So in my mind, that's where I, I equate him to. I don't consider him a linebacker <laughs> any longer. Uh, all that being said, I think that there's going to be – I don't think that there's any uh, individual unit on the defense that is going to dictate the success or failure of being the entire defense. I think that it's going to rise or fall with the success of the linebacker unit as a whole, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Your defensive line is going to do what it does. Your defensive backs are going to do what they do. Your success or failure is going to be determined by the effectiveness of your linebacker core, I do believe. It's, it's, it's hard as a fan to watch this because you don't have – you don't have three guys you can sit there and go, okay – that's a starter impact player. That's a starter impact player. And that's a starter impact player. You don't have that. You've got, well, this guy is probably better at a pass rusher than he is as a run stopper. This guy is really good at stopping the run, but he's more of a two-down linebacker. This guy uh, is pretty good sideline to sideline speed, but if he gets caught up in traffic, he's going to be in trouble. You, know, you don't have – you have – you don't, linebackers who are good at one or two things, you don't have a linebacker who is good at everything. 
You don't you don't have part. the dome patrol anymore. Well, you don't. I mean, the dome patrol even have um, you know Bum Phillips's linebackers. You don't really. You barely have the linebackers we had um, during the Hazlitt and. Uh, you know, uh, Dick Nolan years. I mean, you've got you've got guys who have some talent. You've got some guys who have ability. You've got a couple of hard hard workers, but you don't have a guy who is a game changer at the linebacker position. You don't have that guy. You don't have a Jonathan Vilma. You don't have um. God. It, I'm just trying to think of an average linebacker that you could, you know, you could really, you could say, okay, I like him because he's somebody who works and hustles hard in every play. You don't have, you don't have a Thomas Davis. You don't have a, um, you know, it, it, just somebody who's going to cause defenses a lot. I mean, offense is a lot of problems. You've got a lot of guys who are good at some things, and that's that's the best way to put it. You don't have a guy that's good at everything. And I think is, you know, that's been the Saints problem at linebacker since the days of the home patrol. You don't you haven't been able to put together four linebackers who fit together well and can do things and are just a nightmare for offensive coordinators to have to deal with. It's not just Peyton. And it's not just Loomis. This has been a problem for 30 years for the Saints. This has been a problem since 1986. Uh, yeah. Pat Foley was the last impact linebacker we really drafted. I know about Mark Fields and Winford Tubbs, but Mark Fields was a guy who could run like a deer but didn't know defenses very well, didn't understand concepts very well. Uh, he took a long time for him to develop to be a great player. Winfred Tubbs was the guy who came along. It took him a little while. He got to be good. Then, of course, Mike Dick had to get rid of it because he was good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that, but, I mean, that's really been the problem with the Saints linebackers. They've tried to plug in guys to fill that role. They've tried drafting guys to fill that role. But have, except for Jonathan Vilma, they've never been able to find a complete linebacker and Russia passer when he had to. Um, sure. I agree. Um, okay, let me ask you this. Uh, transitioning a bit, what are the Saints? Is Marcus Williams, which was the second round yep. draft pick, uh, the second round draft pick this past year, for the New Orleans Saints. Is Marcus Williams going to be the answer in quote unquote replacing Jairus Bird? <laughs> I don't like the way you <laughs> sit back in your chair that way. You you've been trying to replace Darren Sharper. That's who you've been trying to replace. And Darren Sharper was well, one sure. of the phenom for the Saints. Uh, look. I've read several people on Twitter and I've read several reviews saying that, you know, for the, on four rookies, 
to have an impact on this team is asking a lot. But you're going to have to get that this year. Your four rookies are going to have to be an impact player. Are going to be Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, Ramchak. He's got to win that left tackle starting job. And Alvin Kamara. And we'll talk about Kamara next week. Uh, sure. Those four, those four rookies have to have uh, a 2006, 1981, 1986 kind of draft, you know, draft class impact on the team. They have to come in from the get-go and get the starting jobs. If Marcus Williams can't see the field or doesn't see the field a lot, week one against the Vikings, we're probably going to be – there's going to be some problems because ideally you'd like to have it be Marcus Williams – and Kenny Vaccaro is just starting safeties with Von Bell and Raphael Bush coming in, depending on situations. Okay. Um, you know, if it's running down, Raphael Bush. Passing, obviously, you have Von Bell in there for some situations. Um, but that's what you need Marcus Williams to be, that impact guy, because I've said it plenty, plenty of times. Um, it's not about sacks. It's not about yardage. It is to an extent about points, but the most important defensive statistic you can have is the giveaway takeaway ratio. So you need to have a center, a safety. You need to have a center fielder who can go out there and make the turnovers happen. You need to have cornerbacks who can jump passes and jump routes. So ideally what I'd like to see on opening night against the Minnesota Vikings that Monday night is Marshawn Lattimore and uh, Delvin Bro in the corners, and you've got Williams and um, and um, excuse me, uh, you got Williams and Vaccaro at your safety positions. And if that's your starting backfield, I think we have a good shot of winning a lot of games because that means Marcus Williams is getting turnovers. That means Marcus Williams can go out there and he's making great breaks in the ball and helping the corners as best he can. And then Von Bell, Raphael Bush, uh, Eric Harris is probably going to be more of your special teams kind of safety. Those guys can help out as well and down in distance. I'm going to say this. I, people have asked me this question over and over and over. And I struggle to answer it because, um, on one hand, there's the logistical side of me that says, don't ask me. Wait and see how it plays out. But at mm -hmm. the same time, there's the other part of me that says, here's the deal. You have a rookie first-round draft pick that you're basically betting the farm on in Marshawn Lattimore. The expectation level for Lattimore probably could not be any higher because he's he's a first round draft pick. Obviously, uh, you drafted. He's also the best cornerback in the draft. He was the best cornerback in the draft. Sure. So, and, and that just further solidifies what I'm trying to say. The expectation level for Lattimore could not be any higher. Because of who he is, what he is, where he was, so mm -hmm. on and so forth. To me, 
if you want to get really down in the, into the numbers and, and think about the whole scope of this thing, the effectiveness of the secondary for the New Orleans Saints is not going to come down to how well Marcus or Marshawn Lattimore adapts and and embraces his role as the heir apparent for the New Orleans. What it's going to come down to is whether or not the New Orleans Saints get the Delvin Bro of last year and Bro of the year before. Right. And now let me let me reiterate that or excuse me. Let me explain that just a touch. Delvin Bro had a fantastic camp last year, came in, uh, never missed a beat from the prior season. And then uh, shortly after halftime of, the, of game one, or excuse me, week one uh, against the Raiders, broke his leg. Um, in my personal opinion, never should have came back at all last season. Should have stayed out, uh, never never tried to come back, stayed out, recu- excuse me, recuperated, healed, so on and so forth. But that's not the way that it happened. Um, he came back and was abused. Well, you can't fault the guy for no. feeling like he needs help because I, I, when it I comes to that. I don't. I don't resent what he did nearly as much because I know, uh, or excuse me, I feel like I know his motivation. He wanted to be a team player. He did what he did, not for himself, but because he felt like his team needed him, and I respect that. But you got you got Ken Crowley and Sterling Moore out there, BW Webb playing cornerback. So you know he feels like if he can be out there. Even eighty percent, he is probably a better player than those guys were. So, sure, but I think oh. that the fortunes, so to speak, uh, for lack of a better word to use, uh, the fortunes of this defense coming up in the twenty seventeen season, it's not going to depend on how quickly this that this rookie over here can adapt and and grasp the game nearly as much as it's going to be this veteran over here that knows the game has played the game if he gets back to the the level he was at not last year but the year prior that's going to be a world of difference for the saints well if he can play does that does that make any sense no if he can play his 2015 level because the saints like to play man-to-man defense with their uh, cornerbacks kind of isolated one-on-one receivers. But if he can play at what he showed for most of the 2015 season, that means the safeties don't have to watch for him. He can They can leave him alone, much like they left Jari Evans alone. I mean, not Jari Evans, uh, Jabari Greer. And much like they left uh, – I'm trying to – Keenan Lewis alone. Uh, much to left those guys one-on-one on the <laughs> I'm trying to to picture Jari Evans in the secondary. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I meant Jabari. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, you know, you want to have. My bad. You want to have that. That way your safeties (laughs) 
you know, you can you can kind of rotate Marcus Williams playing the deep middle, and you can kind of have uh, Carl come down more into the box, helping on run support, and also punishing guys come trying to come across the middle. Kind of what the Saints would like to do, ideally. You know, I know a lot of people heard me say that I want more. Um, you know, Marshawn Lattimore and uh, Marcus Williams out there by themselves, and they're going, oh, my God, that's no experience out there. You have two rookies. You're begging to be torched out there. But my thing is I want I, I want those guys to show impact that a Michael Thomas had as a rookie, you know, that you saw – uh, Marcus Colson had in, back in 2006, that a guy like Jim Wilkes had in 1981, Pat Sulin had in 1986. You know, you had guys, rookies come out there and make an impact and change the culture of this defense. And that's what I kind of want to see out there. I want to see a, a, a cornerback who is a rookie himself and have a Marcus Williams kind of impact. I'm, I'm sorry, not Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters kind of impact. Uh, that can Marcus Williams be that that playmaking safety we haven't had since the days uh, that one year with uh, Darren Sharper, that kind of stuff. So if you can get that, somebody asked uh, in one of the chats that we're in, you know, who do you see making the cornerbacks, the five cornerbacks? We talk about Lattimore and Bro, and I said, you know to avoid the plague of death that has hit the cornerback position the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. I think that's a choice. The guys who make the team, make the team because they win a training camp battle, not because they're the last men standing after the, after <laughs> the guys who had the pig's blood and the lamb's blood over their door frames because death has tracked down all the cornerbacks in the of the Saints and taken them out one by one like the firstborn. Uh, well, it's true. I mean, you think about last year. Last year. That's why. That's why I'm laughing so hard. By game two, <laughs> we are starting guys. Have guys in that secondary who are starting for us that weren't even on the team. Three weeks before that. In week, what does that say? In, in, week, in week two of the 2016 season, we were to the seventh and eighth place on the depth chart at, at cornerback. Yeah. I, I can remember yeah, that vividly. That. Yeah, we can't, you can't win. Well, you, you know, you, you got to see it for what it is. Uh, in terms of the 2016 season, yes, it was detrimental, and it was just kind of like, hey, whatever happens, you know, happens. His but, at the, but at the same time, if you look forward towards the 2017 season, you, you look at guys like Sterling Moore, um, mm -hmm. Ken Crawley, those guys that you're holding over from a year ago, Ken Crawley was an unsigned – or excuse me, was a, an unsigned free agent. Undrafted Go, free agent, yeah. Yeah, undrafted, undrafted free, free agent. agent. Unsigned. He and Devontae Harris. That. 
Yeah. Those guys were undrafted free agents coming into the season last year, which basically says to me, you're covering punts and kickoffs. Okay. You move, you move forward. Now you have experienced backups in in the secondary, which you, you wouldn't have had given, uh, given an ideal situation and circumstance. Well, you know, and and no, and here's the thing too, because you've got some people who are probably screaming at their monitors right now. Well, you know, if the Saints (laughs) had a bad hand rush, they could overcome injuries in the secondary. I disagree because I have a game that could prove that wrong. You go back to 1991, when the Saints go to play the Falcons in the playoffs, the reason why we lost that game is because we lost the Toy Cook. We lost uh, Reginald Jones. We lost a lot of starting quarterbacks. We left starting Milton Mack and uh, what was his name? He came from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it'll come to me. Let me Google it real quick. Um, <laughs> but no, but you had. I keep wanting to say Gerard Cherry. That's not who it is. It's, it's Petrie, I think, was his last name. Uh, Israel? It'll come. No, no, no. Israel Bird was much later. Um, no, I was talking about uh, uh, David Israel. No. No. <laughs> no. no more Jewish. I, 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 I just wanted to see your eyebrows meet. Yeah, no more Jewish jokes. <laughs> no, I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to remember this team, and, and I gotta Google this guy. Uh, it. Okay, that's all the starters. That's not. Come on, come on. Vince Buck was hurt. He hurt. He he got a pinch ne- a nerve in his neck. Um. Was he that bad? They don't even have him listed on here. <laughs> he came from Kansas City. He was an old defensive back who came from Kansas City. And I cannot remember his name. Um, but It'll come to you two minutes after we go yeah, on here. I, I, can, I can picture him. But basically, you're playing, you're playing your uh, fifth and sixth cornerbacks out there. You're playing guys who had never – they weren't with the Saints four weeks prior, and they got to play in a playoff game yeah. against the Falcons' version of the run and shoot um, with uh, with Jerry Jerry Glanville, and they got to deal with you know Michael Haynes and Andre Risen and so forth. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's why that defense. You know, the pass rush was great, but Chris Miller was getting rid of that ball so quickly that. The cornerbacks were trying to keep the receivers in front of them. And Milton, I can, I can picture it still. Milton Mack takes a bad step, and Michael Haynes just turns the corner on him, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And Mack is just laying there with broken ankles. I mean, it's just, it was terrible. And that's what you had a lot of last year with the Saints to try and protect the defense, protect those cornerbacks. They were letting all the receivers catch the ball in front of them and try and make the tackle to limit the yards after the catch. And, of course, that Detroit game, 
uh, we saw, you know, Sterling Moore get burned repeatedly because he would take a bad step and they'd take that quick slant and he was gone. You know, yeah. Golden State is still running. Um, <laughs> so that's why you need you need cornerbacks who can play aggressively, make those breaks in the ball, and safeties who can run. And that's what I think Marcus Williams can do for you. He can run as well as be a ball hawk. He's take away. You don't have to play protect the protect the, against the long pass. You can play much more aggressively. That's what you need to see out of the Saints. That's what you need to see out of the Saints secondary because the offense sure. the offenses are going to do things to take away pass rushes, drops get rid of the ball quickly. Detroit did that to us all game. You'll see a lot of teams try that kind of stuff. We don't have those elite pass rushers who can get the jump on the snap. They're pass rushers who have to make an impact by working at it. So, Well, I, I think that that's going to be – you said it right there. I think that, that they're going to have to put a premium on – I don't know the, the proper word to use here. Um, how much the interaction needs to be for the defensive line and secondary. You have a better pass rush that helps your defensive or excuse me, that helps your pass coverage. You have a better pass coverage that helps your pass yeah, rush. They feed off each other. They do feed off each yeah. other. And, and uh, I think that that's going to be essential for this team this year. I really just, do. If you can get cornerbacks who can make great breaks in the ball and and knock passes away and pick off those quick passes so the quarterback does have to hold the ball longer because he doesn't have that quick, easy check down read, um, that'll get that'll help the pass rush because the pass rush will get to him because they will have the extra second they need to break to make a to make the play, to break the uh, to beat the tackle and get to the quarterback. Uh, I think you're going to get something like that on Alcafor. Alcafor, you get that sort of thing out of uh, Cam Jordan. Um, I think Hendrickson can help in that regard because these are all guys with nonstop motors, and that's what you need as a pass rusher right now. Because uh, you don't have a JJ Watt, you don't have yeah. a. Uh, a Reggie White in his prime or, yeah. um, you know, just, you know, Keith Millard. You don't have a Keith Millard. You don't have a uh, Leroy Glover. You don't have any of those kinds of players. You're going to have sure. players who are going to have to uh, make plays in conjunction with a good defense. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, the the $100,000 question, so to speak, uh, for this Going into the 2017 season, seeing what we have personnel-wise, um, and it, at least for the time being, uh, injury-wise, we're, we're not sitting in a bad position. What are your expectations uh, moving forward, at least during uh, the preseason, for the New Orleans Saints defense? I... Um... He's going to punch me in the face after this is over. <laughs> it, 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 I hate to take the coward's way out, but it's, it all depends on health. Because sure, 
if this defense stays healthy, I think, yeah, they were only, what, 25th last year with all those injuries. I think they can I, I think by the I, I think by week 17, they had climbed up to 26, I, I think was the final. I, I could be wrong on that, though. I, you know, I, yeah, I think they're healthy. I think they can make it as a, you know, 20, 19, 21, somewhere in that range defense. The, the key is going to be turnovers. That I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep beating that horse until it's glue. You know, I mean, it, it's it's got to be turnovers because the 2009, well, see, see. The 2009 defense – was not that great of a defense. They got turnovers, though. That's what was huge. That's what helped that the, team win. The 2009 defense that you were just speaking about, they didn't have to be good. They put points on the board. And anytime your defense is scoring as many points as your offense, which if you look back over that, the course of that season, that was often the case especially early on in that season. The defense was putting up as many points as the offense, and that matters. Yeah. And, yeah. and what what you're saying in terms of if they stay – yeah, I, I can buy into that 110%. Um, the, but what people aren't – people are – a lot of the Saints fans, at least the ones that I've seen on social media – they're talking uh, and looking in terms of the New Orleans Saints being a top two or three defense. Forget it. You're not going to get that. But well, well, at the same time, you don't have to have the number two or three defense in the league. All you have to have is someone that's average. You don't have, you don't have the players to be a top ten defense. You just don't. There's no getting around it. You don't have a dominant defensive line. You don't have great linebackers. Without either of those things, you're not going to be a top 10 defense. Sure. That being said, that being said, the NFL today punishes teams that have top 10 defenses because the rules are structured in a way, excuse me, that you're going to give the offense opportunity to score points. They're going to call unnecessary roughness late hit on the quarterback. So that limits your pass rushing. Okay. You can't just turn your pass rushers loose. Um, a lot of great defensive players from the eighties could not play under today's rules because just the rules they've got to protect the quarterback. Okay. So that is, that is a, Huge difference between now and 25, 30 years ago when you had the 46 defense and you had the Giants and the New York Sack Exchange and you had of the Jets. I know that. Uh, you know, you had Dome Patrol, you had, you know, the 49ers defenses and so forth. They're not going to let you. Second thing is, you know, when Seattle tried to improve. They're secondary and become this great, tough secondary and the Legion of Boom. They did that for one year. What happened the following year? The following year, they started calling a lot more defensive pass interference calls than them. 
because it was going around saying that, well, you know, you can't call us call pass interference in every play. Well, the league said, oh, yes, we can, and we will. <laughs> so that's the lesson of today's NFL. You're not going to have that dominant, incredible defensive pitching shutouts. What you need to have is a defense, and you take a team like the Kansas City Chiefs as a great example, a defense that forces turnovers, gives their offense multiple opportunities to get the ball. The offense scores just enough points to win, okay? You give an offense like the Saints more opportunities to score, more possessions than the other team because you've got turnovers. That helps your defense because that plays right to Sean Payton's aggressive philosophy. So that that's why I keep saying turnovers are the difference. Because this this team is built on offensive aggression. Peyton wants the ball. He wants to score every time. He wants to score a lot of points. And he wants the other team to feel like they got to score a lot of points to keep up. And if you can take the ball away from them and make that offense stay on the sideline and you're stealing extra possessions, that means you can score even more points and they don't have enough time left to score in your defense. That, to Sean Payton, a coach like Sean Payton, that's that's winning football. That's a winning philosophy. That's the kind of team this is. So, you know, that's a long answer, but that's just how <laughs> I see it. I mean, that's that's really how I see it. I see this this defense, if they can stay healthy, being a 20th ranked defense, 19th, 21st, somewhere around there, based on the talent level we have. But it doesn't hurt us. If we're on the plus five, seven, ten, if we're plus eleven or more, this team's going to the NFC Championship game. Sure. But if we're if we're plus seven, plus ten, you know, this is a playoff team. This is a team that's going to win 11, 12 games because the offense is good enough that you give them the extra possessions to do that. It makes up for the weaknesses you have on the defensive side of the ball. Just in case anyone is is unclear, up uh, and <laughs> in in case you haven't minded your inbox, we'll go ahead and clue you in now. Uh, the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Just just throwing that out there. Hey, um, they are plus eleven or plus twelve, and Drew Brees is throwing for five thousand yards, and you got a thousand yard rusher, at least one, and you've got uh, a couple of. Uh, <laughs> A couple of receivers who are over a thousand yards. That's a Super Bowl team. You're plus twelve, plus thirteen, plus fourteen in the turn giveaway takeaway ratio. I saw for a That's brief just, moment, for a brief moment there, I saw Alan's eyebrows meet, and it was kind of a, oh, a cathartic thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, we hope that you guys got something out of our um, our analysis of the defense tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, most of the time when Alan speaks, I'm sitting here like taking notes. Um, uh, <laughs> I've, been be- I've been beating this drum for a long, long time. You know, uh, and, and I'm, I've said it 10,000 times. It's 10,001. The difference between the 2011 team and the 2019 is your giveaway takeaway take ratio. Absolutely. You turned the, the ball over five times in that playoff game against the uh, the San Francisco 49ers, and you still 
had two chances where you took the lead again. And if you could have gotten one turnover, that critical turnover right there at the end of the game, instead of giving up a touchdown, you win that game. And that's the yep. difference. That is the difference. And you would have been home the next week. <clears throat> NFC Championship game versus the New York Jets, which you beat by 40-some-odd points. Oh, my God. I'm going to have an aneurysm. Uh, uh, <laughs> we hope that you, well, you guys in, yes. Yeah, you know uh, There is that As always As always <laughs> I, I think YouTube would shut down If we finished on time but, I think so too Hey, you know next week, hey, next week we'll talk about the offense I don't get nearly as passionate about the offense Because it's pretty much a given it's going to be yeah. the Alvin Kamara show. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Kamara. We're going to talk about a little about Adrian Peterson. And uh, who's, who's Alvin Kamara? Yeah, yeah, you'll know who he is before it's all said and done at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, we'll talk a little about the offensive line. We'll talk a little bit about Adrian Peterson. We'll talk about yeah. who the receive who the number three and four receivers are going to be too. Who I think they'll be. Um, um yeah, I I, I want to um. I want to reiterate uh, to you guys, thank you so much for supporting what we do. Absolutely. Supporting our show. Um, this is actually a, a, another one of those landmark uh, broadcasts for us. This is number one of year number two, um, which uh, is quite confusing to me. But anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for supporting what we do we ask that you uh you support us on twitter at under the dome po1 uh my main man across screen there is at 79 saints i am at drew's dad 3721 our third in the triumvirate of power is at jb pinto three uh, we ask you guys to follow us we'll try not to lead you astray we'll try to Keep you posted and all that neat stuff. Uh, we want to uh, also an announcement. Um, Saturday, G June, uh, Saturday, <laughs> September 9th, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be doing our second annual, which I love the way that sounds, our second annual. Uh, Season kickoff show. If we can find Atlanta Falcon fans, we haven't pissed off yet. Yeah, that that's a very limited audience right there. Um, I'm telling you. Actually, the the Falcons guy that we had a year ago. Uh, he has he has actually um, committed to 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 showing up for us again. Did he really? J yeah, yeah, my man I guess Josh. He's gonna strut a little bit. He's gonna strut a little uh, bit. Say, yeah, all you guys thought we were gonna finish in last place, and look what we did. I'm like, yeah, look what you did. You gave up a 25 point lead and lost the Super Bowl. Congratulations <laughs> to my man Josh. I love you. Uh, <laughs> Poor guy. I'm just picking. You know, it's, I'm not. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Josh. You know, uh, you're a Falcons, Falcons guy, and um, 
if for no other reason, just by virtue of that, you deserve it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, next week we're going to um, give you a basically a primer for the offensive side of the ball going into uh, to training camp, which begins for all practical intents and purposes tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. In a couple of weeks, we have a very special guest coming up. Can't tell you just exactly who that is just yet. I'll have to stay tuned for that. Um, once again, I can't tell you guys enough. Thank you so much for your support. It means everything. We love you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. That you love us. And um, uh, in t- uh, by the way, if I can derail things for one moment. Um, oh, not on this show. You can't derail our- anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you can drive it in the dirt. Uh, seriously, our friend and uh, diehard supporter, Miss Donnie Lambert. Uh, a lot of you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, I got word earlier this day or so ago that um, the cancer has returned from Miss Donnie. Uh, we ask that you guys please, please uh, keep her in your prayers and, and well wishes. Send her positive vibes, uh, prayers, the whole nine. Um, we love Miss Donnie. Uh, she is someone that's very, very special to us. Uh, we're wishing her the best and hope that uh, hope that everything works out for her. Absolutely. 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 Well, on that somber note, uh, you know, I, I, I thank I thank all you guys once again for watching us. Uh, as we get, as we start going through year two, we are it's now training camp season. We will be talking about what we've seen so far. The first practices of this weekend. Uh, my two kids are going, in fact, to the uh, practice of the, the Saturday or Friday. I think it's Saturday. They're supposed to go to the practice, and um, and I'll have her up close. Review from my son exactly what happened that day. Um, so we have a lot we can talk about next week. Uh, of course, we'll break down the offense as well. And as usual, I'm sure there'll be signings. There'll be uh, cuts. There'll be strange things going on because it's Saints camp. Um, so the season has started. We are now into training camp. Uh, preseason game, first preseason game is what? Three weeks away, isn't it? Uh Two weeks is a Hall of Fame game. Uh, I think not. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, not. Who cares this, about that? not? Well, I'm just saying not this Thursday, and, but not next Thursday. I think it's. I think it's a fall. No, it's next. Um, next Thursday is hang, a Hall of Fame hang game, on. Hang and on. then August that first 10th. weekend is the Saints. Saints first preseason game. August tenth. Yeah, that's uh, because next week is um. Let's see, it's August, uh, yeah, it's August 4th, I think, next Thursday, and the following will be August 10th, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the Saint, is that the first preseason game, August 10th? I mean, uh, Saints preseason game? Yeah. Okay. So, Hall of Fame game is next week. Yep. Next week, Hall of Fame game. Yeah. 
next week's a Hall of Fame game. So, yeah, all we'll be talking about games again already. So, all right. So, anyway, thank you guys for staying for this. We're, we went way over time. Uh, it's almost 930 now. We'll catch you next time on Under the Dome. Good night, everybody.